Welcome to the 12 Days of Edition Wars. In this year's series, we are taking a deep dive into things we love about this game and why we love them. On the sixth day of Edition Wars, Christmas, we are covering our favorite spells for each edition. We have pulled two leading members of the D&D commentariat community, and uh, we, are, we are getting their expert opinions, their authoritative final opinions that will scientifically determine all the now it's scientific uh, yeah yeah so i mean who, who did you ask i didn't know we had guests on this episode well i i asked sam Dillon right now my co-host <laughs> oh, how are you tonight sam <laughs> i am well how are you <laughs> uh punchy <laughs> uh you know I, i'm good all is well awesome awesome uh i i do want to start tonight uh with uh Paying our respects to Kim Mohan. Uh, today we saw an announcement that he had passed. Um, Kim Mohan was a major, major figure in TSR and Watsi for decades. Yeah. And his work as an editor uh, has touched a, an enormous number of D&D products that we've loved over the years. So, um, yeah. R- rest in peace, Kim and uh, condolences to his family. Keeps keeps a seat at the table, will you? So um, I don't think I'm going to try to, for my part, uh, determine a best spell from uh, OD&D. I'm going oh, to leave one. that one on you. Yeah, yeah I, I, hope so. <laughs> I mean, so here's the thing. I'm not really giving you a list of the best spells. Scientific rigor, Sam. I'm, I, I am giving you a list of spells that i enjoy and that i think are fun yeah and that were useful and that created moments in that game when i played it that were phenomenal right absolutely um so i have a spell for every edition yeah yeah yeah. i i i've gone deep into my collection of Mm -hmm. you know weird books of spells Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. just find some uh spells with great names and concept mm-hmm. pitches mm-hmm. Yeah. whether they were actually all that in even delivering mechanics i'm not really sure i'm going to comment on but we'll see okay. what comes out yeah yeah I'm, we'll see what happens and yeah. and so what you're going to notice audience is that my spells most of my spells are low level spells and the reason I, is i'm going to lean on high level because yeah. i like the weird stuff right and, and the reason is because a lot of what my play experience is in every edition is a lot of low level play. Now that's not to say I didn't play high level play, but when I was a when I ran games, I would run these long campaigns up to high level. But when I played, yeah. I don't play very often. For so sure. most of my play experience is at low levels or mid range, right? Uh-huh. Yep. Um. So that's what that's where this I'm going coming from my perspective. In other words, I did not scour all of the annals of all spells ever and pick the best. What I did was looked at the spells, remembered them, remembered fun times in my game and said, Oh yeah, I'm going to pick that one because that was a really fun time. Uh, Right. That's, that's absolutely the way to go. I'll be real with you. Uh, I'm going to try to cover some things that I've seen in actual play. Um, It's going to be a little thin on the ground. Yeah, no, it's fine. Let's be real. Yeah. I I think, 
the fu- the fun of this, in other words, for me, the fun of this is seeing what we come up with, right? Yeah. It's not yeah. really this isn't the we are not presenting to you the definitive list of the best spell from each edition. That's not what we're doing. What we're saying is this it's whacked and it's so funny and it's fun and it's good to use and let's talk yeah. about it. That's yeah, what we're for saying. sure. Yeah, for sure. So all right, so so kick us off, bud. So here's my OE spell. It is from the Men and Magic book from original edition 1976 it is on page 27 of that book and it is called mass morph all right this spell is used to conceal up to 100 men or creatures of near man size as woods or orchards the concealed figures may be moved through without being detected as anything other than trees and it will not affect the spell this will be negated by a command for the caster by or by means of a dispel magic spell. And it has a huge range. And <laughs> it's super fun when you're thinking about what was happening in OD&D. This is a fourth level spell in OD&D, which is relatively high. It's one of the higher level spells that I have on here. Uh, but by the time you're a wizard casting, or actually in this case, a magic user casting fourth level spells, you're pretty powerful. And so yeah. we're talking about armies moving on the villain's outpost uh, to take it over. And it's it's just a great fun scene. It's just a great, I mean, it made for really fun table play when we would use something like this because it's just so ridiculous and hilarious because imagine the party leading an army right yeah upon this castle or tower or lair or crypt or whatever it is (laughs) and they're all disguised as a forest and it's moving but you don't realize it's moving (laughs) (laughs) unless you're really paying attention and then suddenly it's at the door and then it's like storm the castle well and you gotta love also that's a classic uh shakespeare moment oh yeah oh yeah it's it's dunstanane right exactly yeah from the scottish play right yep yeah so i'm (laughs) i'm so that that's my that's my oe spell because it just it's it's one of those you know it's not one that you're going to use all the time right uh, but it is something that does create a, a magical moment. I, I'm into that. I'm into that. So you don't have an OE spell. Uh, so I don't. I don't have uh, an original D and D spell, mm-hmm. right? Uh, yeah. So I'm starting with first ed. And okay. keep in mind, for real, I have uh, my total slash played for first edition is still zero point zero zero. So so none of this is is active use stuff. But I just cracked open the player's handbook because, and I'm going to brag about this on air because I'm so bloody proud of it uh, uh, my wife and i were at an antique store that was uh closing down uh, a week ago and uh we found a pretty good condition pretty good like not in like mint near mint ratings terms mm-hmm, right but mm-hmm. but very serviceable quality uh first edition players handbook and picked it up and uh so i'm actually nice. able to I could go through this for the first time. I've otherwise been using a PDF for all of my writing about first ed for years. So uh, I have two. Uh, one, one which I'll cover first, is out of pure tradition and affection for the collected writings of uh, Jack Vance. Uh, that spell is Prismatic Spray. Nice. Yeah. So, nice. so in, nice. in Vance, in the Dying Earth series, uh, the excellent prismatic spray is a spell that 
is actually used in the text. Mm-hmm. It's one of a fairly small number of spell names that are directly adapted to D and D, along with, I believe, the marvelous magic missile. Um, and uh, so the excellent prismatic spray becomes D and D's well, advanced Dungeons and Dragons first editions, uh, seventh level spell prismatic spray. Uh, available wherever illusionist spells are sold, <laughs> um, and this spell has always been a a, a weird light show chaos deal, mm-hmm. and that's a ton of fun. Um, and uh, yeah, I, like I love how strange and unpredictable it is, um, and. So they, they've done the thing in the first ed book where you have to look up uh, prismatic sphere to know what prismatic spray does mm-hmm. and also prismatic wall. It's that, that nested reference thing right. that just makes my eyes bleed. <laughs> it's <laughs> such a, a, such a hostile way yeah. to store information, it's, but it's rough. It's first. Ed, I, I can't actually care. Like, of course, it's hostile. Everything's hostile. It's it's the most user-unfriendly thing of all time. Uh, so I actually only get upset about it in stuff published in, you know, literally my lifetime. Yeah. Uh, so um, so that, that's my first one. Uh, my second uh, is just the, the concept of this spell rules. And its spell name is outstanding. This is on page 86, uh, the spell Spirit Rack. <laughs> nice. I mean, what else do you want? What a yeah. great name. Yeah. Um, but it's uh, a, a very strong protection and punishment spell against the powerful creatures of the Nether Plains, uh, Abyssal, Hades, Hell, etc. But to employ the magic, the spellcaster must know the name of the being at whom he or she will direct the energy. Prior to actual utterance of a spirit rack spell, the magic user must prepare an illuminated sheet of vellum, carefully inscribed. Like it goes on like this for a while, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's only getting better. Like <laughs> talking my language, this is great. Um, and so you you basically spend this enormous amount of time and money to. Uh, just ruin some outsider's life some you know fiend's life really i should say since it's only from the lower planes um and uh you know obviously the being so dealt with dealt with will be the sworn foe with magic user forever afterwards uh i was just reading that sentence <laughs> yeah. so yeah. You know. so you you make a a, a lifelong enemy <laughs> yep um So, uh, so yeah, it, it's it's great stuff. Um, just a really cool spell concept, and um, I, I really like this. Um, I feel like that has a ton of um, story power and potential. It also rewards research, which I like. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. You know, there's the creation of a cool prop, which you probably don't actually make as a prop at the table, but if you did, Lord, more power to you. Right. Um, well, and you have to know the true name. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which and, is major. And, and so then we have to have a conversation about what constitutes true names. Right. That most games do not satisfactorily answer. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. 
there was a whole thing about that in an Earth Arcana many moons ago. Um, they tried to deal with true name magic. I know in D&D Next, they tried to deal with true name magic, and they always sort of back down from having real true name magic rules. It's mm-hmm. a shame because it's mm-hmm. hard to do well in their defense. Yeah. Um, so th- those are my big ones. Um, my, my Actually, I want to call out one more, which is from uh, the first dead Unearthed Arcana. Uh, I like ceremony a lot because it leans into social roles of uh, of clerics and druids, right? Mm-hmm. I think. That's oh, really cool. so see, I was only going arcane spells. Oh, okay. I wasn't doing. I, I'm spells. I'm covering but, the covering the field. Yeah, yeah, you can cover the field because, uh, of course, I would then have I would spend like all my time on cleric spells because. Sure. Yeah, yeah you love clerics. So, yeah. Uh, well, so, <laughs> so so actually, uh, another of my first ed ones that I was actually going to discuss for second ed is a cleric mm-hmm. spell. Uh, again, I just love the name, the Chariot of Sistar. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, like it, it's literally a chariot of fire. You're you're driving Apollo's chariot across the sky. It's great, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I love that. Um, it's it, it's it, big and weird and flashy, and mm-hmm. what's not the like, you know? Yeah. Um, yep. So that's gonna do it for me for first ed. Uh, okay. What do you have for first ed? Well, so you jumped to first ed, but I still have a Holmes basic, a BX, and a Beck me spell. <laughs> sure, go for it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't this play is, any of those. This, so. Yeah, this is probably no surprise to the audience, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so my Holmes basic uh, choice is Web, which okay. uh, is a level two spell. Uh, of course, it does what it says on the tin, right? Creates a mass of sticky strands. It's a covers a really big area. Uh, and then it gives you, you know, h- how long it takes for like a giant to break through it or how long it would take for a regular medium sized person to to c- break through it, whatever. And so I'm not I'm not going to belabor the point, but I because I want to talk about the BX and the Beck meat choices. Right. Um, and, and then I'm going to and then I'll make a point. So my my BX. Oh, so that that was uh, an, in Holmes Basic. That's on page 16. OK, uh-huh. uh, in BX, in the basic book page, also 16. Uh, you will find a spell called Floating Disc, which doesn't have Tensor's name on it, but um, that's okay. It's basically the same as Tensor's Floating Disc. Uh, you create a platform. It's about the size and shape of a shield. It can carry up to 5,000 coin weight, which is basically 500 pounds, uh, and uh, you it follows you around, basically, right? So very, very standard you know, Floating Disc uh, type spell. Uh, in Beckme... In the basic book on page 40, you find sleep, right? Which, of course, is the traditional sleep spell. Puts a bunch of creatures to sleep, right? So here's the reason I bring this up. So Massimorph, Web, and Floating Disc, and sleep even to some extent, although not as much, those are very much like utility-style spells. It's not something that's going to deal a huge amount of damage and change the course of the battlefield right it's something that you're using to sneak in sneak out get in there trap something so it can't hurt you or carry something out that you need to but you can't lift Mm -hmm. you you know things like that so uh doing this list what you're going to find from me is a lot of love for those types of effects right situational utilities situational utilities because those were the clutch moments when 
you know, if the magic user had these spells prepped, you're 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 going to have a much easier time. Right. You're yep. going to have a much easier time doing whatever it was that you were trying to do in that session. And those are the moments where it's like, OK, that magic user that we really needed them, you know, um, whereas, you know, yeah, at higher levels, they can sling some powerful damage dealing spells. But ultimately, at low levels, you need them for the utility. Right. Um, yeah. And they're as much a skill monkey in that respect as a thief is, right? But just with a different focus. So uh, so then that brings me to my first edition choice. And this is a choice actually from Unearthed Arcana, and it is the Grease spell, which again yep. is very much more like a sort of utility spell, right? You cover a whole area with this sort of fatty, nasty, greasy, you know, basically you're Criscoing it, right? Yep. Um, you're pouring, you know peanut oil all over the stairs right yeah. um and and so again you're not dealing a, a, a crap ton of damage but you are doing something to change the situation and the circumstances of the party so that they can have an easier time accomplishing whatever it is that they were going to accomplish and when i got done making my list i looked at all these and i said man i don't have any damage dealing spells on here look you can't you, look, this is the christmas season sam yeah, I know very well that Grease is a damage dealing spell because I have seen Home <laughs> You've Alone seen it lit on fire. Yes, I know. <laughs> it, it, it's Home Alone, folks. It's it's the the seminal work of Macaulay Culkin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Joe Joe Pesci. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so you want to move on to second edition? Uh, sure, sure, sure. Um, so uh, again, I'm going I'm swinging for the fences of the high level spells. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. I've got. I've got plenty of uh, weird favorites here. Um, so the first one I'm going to uh, give a nod to, uh, I, I recall from, I think it was the Wizard Spell Compendium, because I had all four volumes of that, Lord knows. Uh, <laughs> I uh, found where it was brought forward into third edition, uh, and I know it's also been created in, in fifth, mm -hmm. right? Uh, this spell is Black Blade of Disaster. Mm. Okay. I love that name, <laughs> right? So it, mm. it uh, creates a basically um, uh, monomolecular um, monofilament um, sword of void mm. and hits people with it. It's an ethical level spell. It's such a great murder weapon. It's, <laughs> it's you know, yeah. more than kind of sword, but actually powerful. Right, right. Because it <laughs> very much turbo murders people on mm -hmm. crits, right? That, that nice. kind of thing. I, I really like that. But just the the visual and the name and the kind of is this a Black Razor reference? Maybe. Right. right. Um, that all really works for me. Mm -hmm. uh, big, big fan. Uh, nice. I already mentioned Chariot, Chariot of Sistar. Mm -hmm. um, second edition is, of course, where I first saw it. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's in uh, first edition too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I noted as I looked at the player's handbook today, but mm. um, and and just because why stop at night level spells? Um, <laughs> I I pulled down my copy of uh, high level campaigns mm -hmm. uh, to look at true true Wemmers. Easy for me to say, um, <laughs> and uh, there are some pretty great uh, concepts in here too. Um, uh, Krebs flaming dragon. Uh, is a big illusion of a dragon that's actually going to show up, I think, is Illusory Dragon in 5th Ed. Um, 
as a seventh level spell. Here it's you know a, a mm-hmm. true drummer you know, somewhere up north of ninth level. Um, I just think that's a, a great one. Oh, and second ed was also where I saw uh, the uh, Nibor Stern Reproof uh, and Nibor's Wrathful Castigation spells, which I mean, those just sound great, mm-hmm. and they're they're horrible Red Wizard of Thay torture spells, right? They, they exist only to cause pain, right? But right. <laughs> they sure gave them some great names. So, you know, the fact that they're really only for bad guys to use is mm-hmm. immaterial. <laughs> I wonder if the I'm going back to the chariot of Sister, but yeah. is is that named after Dennis Sister? Uh, I have no idea. Sister, I don't I don't know how to pronounce his name, but um, you know, he was the he did bunnies and burrows. Okay, uh, which was you know published in 1976, right? Um, you know, so that was it was it was very early <laughs> it was yeah, in yeah. early days. Uh, he also published a. A lot of different things uh in different magazines and whatnot but um i know he was part of the, he was part of that sort of initial like uh you know um rpg kind of set of people yeah so, yeah uh, uh yeah I mean, that's very plausible um yeah. and i mean we also saw some some great spell concepts in complete book of necromancers last mm-hmm. year mm-hmm. Um, yeah yeah but especially in second ed I have all kinds of books that have, you know, weird spells in them because I have um, pages from the mages and prayers of the faithful mm-hmm. and powers and pantheons and all these forgotten realms books mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I mean, Ed Green would just love writing a few extra weird spells or <laughs> yeah, Ed yeah. and whoever might've been doing mechanics. If he wasn't mm-hmm. mechanics, I'm not checking mm-hmm. right now. Um, yeah. So the symbol skeletal deliquescence, is a real winner of a spell name. It melts your skeleton. It's great. <laughs> you just you just slide under doors. Don't mind if I do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, just such great spell names and weird ones too. Uh, a lot of them have the problem of trying to even find a use case where it's worth a whole spell slot. Right. And uh, I was looking at uh, another book that I'll talk about in a minute today and was really reminded of oh yeah yeah they they really this is just a filler spell this is just a few column inches they had to fill and Mm -hmm. they wrote a spell for it even though there's almost never a case where you're actually going to include this in your buff routine it's just so much to, to like spend the spell prep and spell slot using this no one's gonna do that Right. Um, and, you know, to go with that, they also, in some cases, are so blatantly just that. Like, this is just to solve a like, game mechanics problem you can run into because of what they've set up. That mm-hmm. it's kind of, okay. Third ed, you're being very third ed right now. Right. Kind of <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that kind of thing in a bit. I want to give you a chance to. Um, hit us with your second ed. Yeah, I mean, and that's partly that 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 actually dovetails with my t- my discussion or my thoughts about like utility spells, right? Uh-huh. Because yeah. at, at some point, 
you know, it becomes, you know, how much of your resource allotment are you spending to prep something that has such a, yeah, a minimal chance of, of having a good use. Right. Um, that it's, it's hard to, you know, and, and so, but here's, you know, there's all sorts of house rules, right? Like I, I know there was, there was a DM who DM'd in my area um, who used to have, he gave everybody, every uh, magic using class, a spell slot, a free spell slot of, of any, uh, like a free, sp- they didn't call it slots, free spell prep of any, any level that they can cast mm-hmm. of one of their weird spells, right? So like not an extra slot so you can put fireball in there and cast fireball, right? <laughs> right. But like if you have, you know, something like that, right? Yeah. Where you've just got this weird ass spell and the chances of you being able to use it are so low so you will never prep it otherwise. Yeah. So he 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 like gave every caster the ability to have a prep spot just for those weird spells. Yeah. Which was um, a good idea, uh, but I would venture to say that they still probably didn't get used very much, right? For sure. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, that can also be a very good place to have scrolls. Mm-hmm. Right. If, if yeah. PCs can right. readily scribe yeah. scrolls in your game. Right. And it's not, hey, go on a quest, just describe this scroll too right. much. <laughs> too yeah. Much. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, or yeah. spend experience points, describe this scroll with something you are turning into a scroll because you know you won't right. read it very often. Right. Cool. Thank yeah. you. It's the here's a scroll. You found it carried around in your backpack for four sessions, and then suddenly there's going to be a need for it. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, yeah. But you're you're not going to go sell it. Uh, you can't find a buyer for it, and you're you're not going to waste time scribing it into your spellbook because you're never going to prep it. Right. So and, and it's yeah. worth saying that like that's a great treasure pitch mm-hmm. if you're the DM. Right. Right. Yep. Like. To have some NPC caster have already done that. Right. So they're like, I'm not going to need this in the regular, but I, I want to have it just, I don't mm-hmm. know, because I want to have it. Shut up. Right. Yeah. And then when they die of old age or not having used the spell that would have saved their lives. Right. Uh, right. Then the, or- the PCs get their copy. And so it becomes this ridiculous heirloom scroll mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right which or it's obviously i love yeah it's it, it also could be the case where there was some poor magic user somewhere who was trying to create a spell and created this thing instead and, right and, and technically they succeeded and they, they help them right they succeeded in creating this spell it's not the one they wanted it didn't do it exactly what they wanted but hey it, it did something so there's a few scrolls of it yeah around um, so my my two e spell, uh-huh. my two e spell is deep pockets. Nice. And so, nice. <laughs> so let me t- t- I'll tell the audience what this does. But I mean, if you haven't heard of this, you know, come on. Um, but I right. mean, I don't. Is this exist in fifth edition? I don't think so. Oh anyway. no. Uh-uh. Um, so this spell, third, dude. Yeah. So this spell enables the wizard to specially prepare a garment so as to hold far more than it normally could. A finely sewn gown or robe of high quality material is fashioned so as to contain numerous hand sized pockets. One dozen is the minimum number. The deep pocket spell then enables these pockets to hold a total of 100 pounds, five cubic feet in volume, as if it were only 10 pounds of weight. Furthermore, 
There are no discernible bulges where the special pockets are. At the time of casting, the caster can instead choose to have 10 pockets, each holding 10 pounds of a half cubic feet. So, you know, there's a whole bunch of math thing here. Here's the thing, though. Um, each little pocket is an extra dimensional holding space. Okay, fine. But here's the funny part. If the spell duration expires while there is material within the enchanted pockets, or if a successful dispel magic is cast upon the enchanted garment, all the material suddenly appears around the wearer on the ground. <laughs> yeah. The, the caster can also cause all the pockets to be emptied with just a simple command word. So, you know, you've got this great, uh, you know, this great moment of, you know, you're, 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 going through the duration is like 12 hours plus an hour per level it is only a level two you know it's a second level spell so uh you know you you're, you've got 12 to 15 hours here right uh where you're where you're gonna have this but you know i can just see this accidentally expiring right at the yeah. wrong moment yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right well and it just it just right makes and, great and just getting caught in a dispel magic right and all yeah. this stuff comes yep. flying out uh -huh. like, like <laughs> right. you're a mob in uh diablo right <laughs> right right <laughs> yeah yeah that's yeah. beautiful so so i love I, I just love stuff like that right like yes you know yeah i know i know invisibility spells and and detect invisibility spells oh, and sure, stuff like sure, that sure. are are helpful and yeah yeah but deep pockets is just so freaking brilliant it's just so hilarious and brilliant um so that spell i recall from some of the tsr created choose your own adventure books mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um so like those were some of my very first exposure to D and D, and for some reason, Deep Pockets was in one or more of them. Nice. Um, and so, like, I I saw that and was sort of the. I, I guess this is a thing you need. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> sure. Why not? Um, yeah. As I was trying to backform D and D from those Choose Your Own Adventure books, which, as I've mentioned on air before, cannot be done. <laughs> <laughs> it does not work. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you'll have some very odd ideas about what the ability scores even are. Uh, <laughs> fighting is one of them, for example. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Um, yeah. So Deep want, Pockets is great. Yeah. I, I want, I want to also give an honorable mention to the irritation spell, <laughs> <laughs> which is just, uh, what it says on the tin. It does what it says on the tin. It, it, causes you to uh basically break out in a rash uh -huh. and uh you know it has various uh different effects and whatnot uh, but i just think that's hilarious uh but it's one of those again it's it's one of those spells where you know this is the kind of thing where if you're having your your casters roll randomly for what what spells they find or what spells they they get or you know what i mean that that's when this something like this would come up but yeah. it's one of those spells that in general it's not it's probably not gonna like nobody's gonna choose this right yeah um but it <laughs> but it's just hilarious i just it's just funny well like if you if you need to sneak a bunch of treasure out of a place like wow this is buff for that oh yeah right. okay well yeah 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 right. Well, yeah, I mean, deep pockets does have definite uses. Uh, irritation, though, mm, yeah, irritation, I mean, mm, okay. ir irritation isn't going to be something that 
you know, most people are going to find a really huge use for. It's more like a, oh, I learned this spell and now I can cast it on my frenemy, you know, yeah. my my rival who is not really my enemy, but who I want to make uncomfortable for four hours, right? Um, but yeah, so anyway, so that's my honorable mention for 2E. Do you want to move on to 30? Yeah, I think we'll we'll move to, to 3E. Like, we could really get into the the weird corners of 2E mm-hmm. for a long time. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It was well, the edition of record yeah. for 11 years, and they mm-hmm. were in a very busy production cycle for yeah. most of it. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't even touch any, any kind of setting-based supplement at all. I just, right. you know, I basically stuck to, you know, PHB plus one kind of. Right. You know. And like for sure I could go get lost in birthright for a while and oh, find yeah, yeah, yeah. some yep. weird stuff yep. because it has two whole categories mm-hmm. of spells that are different from what's found in right. you know, core two E. Mm-hmm. Right. You have battle spells and right. you have realm spells. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And those are great. Those are great fun. Um there's not a ton of either of those individually. You know, the, the, the list of them aren't huge, but, you know, Reign yeah. of Magic Missiles. That's pretty yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. All right, so so third, right? Um, yeah, so third. I'm, uh, are we in a situation where, as usual, you don't have strong opinions on third? Uh, I have two spells that I okay, uh, okay. that I, ha- I, I have a spell and then an honorable mention, but um, not because... Uh, well, y- you'll see. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Um, so the the book that I was talking about earlier, right? You mm-hmm. know, cracked it open and just, oh yeah, you had to fill some column inches, huh? Was yeah. the spell compendium, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. It, it is just a. Let's see. I think that's Bridges. one they released. Didn't they release that as one of the special cover ones in two thousand oh, or whatever? Didn't they? I don't. I don't know. Maybe or in twenty ten or whenever they you know when they released all this uh fancy reprints yeah maybe um so it is a a 288 page book uh that is just spells Mm -hmm. um the one one cool thing in this book is that they include a uh you know one to three sentence paragraph of what it looks like when you cast the spell Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Um, so that's that's a cool thing, right? Um, for most spells, uh, some of them that are sort of pointers to other uh, similar spells don't add that. So mm-hmm. Swift Invisibility doesn't also have its own. Oh, Swift Invisibility is Iron Guard points to lesser Iron Guard where the actual okay. description is kind of thing. Right. Right, right. Sorry. Um, so there's just just a ton of things here is so many spells and some of them are uh very simple things that are are just about the strange concerns of uh you know late game play in mm-hmm. in third third ed right. uh, such as align magic fang <laughs> and if you can't follow what that does off the top of your head it Let's your your pets natural weapons get through alignment based damage resistance. Ah, uh, okay. Right. So <laughs> wow. If it's say X slash good, you can make your 
pets attacks good aligned. It's mm-hmm. it's for any you know, beast, right? Right, right. It's just that's the main reason you'd use that, you know, as a ranger or druid. Um, but uh, um, you know, here again we have the black blade of disaster brought to third ed. Uh, we have um, uh, symbol skeletal deliquescence renamed as corporeal instability, which is still pretty strong. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. still got like that. Um, and you know, there's there's some some great stuff here. Um, I will say, so I'm going to call it one of the spells that most broke game balance just over its knee. And it changed the whole dynamic of what classes were, which is righteous might. Mm. Oh uh, yeah, it's, you grow. It's, right. Yeah. So, so this then, is yeah. This is the spell <laughs> that makes clerics be like, "Heal you? I think I'm gonna go win this fight by myself instead." Right. <laughs> what if instead I didn't need you anymore? Right. All of you other classes that are stupid and weak, <laughs> because. It turns the cleric into a an absolute juggernaut in combat, right? That's that's right. the bitch. Um, and so, like, famously in in third edition, the cleric and druid are very overpowered, and righteous might is part of why on the cleric side. Um, one of several spells that contributes very much to that. Yeah. So just for the audience, I, I said you grow. You don't just grow. You you double your height. You multiply your weight by eight. That means your size category moves up. You get a plus four size bonus to strength, plus two bonus to con, plus two enhancement bonus to natural armor. You gain damage reduction three um, for evil if you're good blind. Yeah. Uh, y- y- at 12th level, that becomes a six. At 15th, it becomes a nine. Uh, your size modifier for AC and attacks changes appropriate to your size category. Like, like it does these humongous things. And then, you know, everything that you're wearing is enlarged. Like you just, you become this huge colossus. Yep. Yeah. And, and you stomp all your way through everything. And, uh, you know, it's great if uh, that's the kind of, kind of thing you're into. It just is also sort of, so good that competing with this with other fifth level spells is is rough right um, it is a short duration spell one round per level but you're definitely uh ninth level if you're casting this right and because it's it, a what a fifth it's fifth, fifth level, level spell, spell yeah. right um and it only goes up from there right right so yeah <laughs> you know if you're strength domain, which is a perfectly lovely domain to be, mm-hmm. it's a domain spell for you. Congratulations to you. Oh, excellent. <laughs> well, the reason that I know so much about Righteous Might is because it's right next to, it's on the same page and right next to Rope Trick, which uh, is my go. which is uh-huh. my third edition choice. Yeah, very nice. Because Rope Trick is just phenomenal in terms of what you can do with it if you're a little bit creative. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and that's why I like it. It's that creativity that, that, I expect the players in my game to use if they're casting the spell. It's not yeah. just, oh, this here you go. Now you have a safe place. No, no, yep. no. <laughs> you need to be creative, my friend. Be creative. Um, my my honorable mention uh, is a spell called Sequester. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. I like Sequester. Yeah. 
sequesters is really fun. So, you know, it basically um, renders a, a target comatose, right? Yep. And But then scrying and divination spells do not work at all, which for me, right, has that's just so flavorful right like that's that's the sort of oh, thing huge. where you have to do that because it's part of some major story right uh-huh. like you're not just going to cast sequester on a party member right it's not like haste right or right. you know whatever it, you're not blessing something you're like you had to learn the spell and prep it and you know because you're you need to do this to some target and so there's story there, and I I appreciate that. I really like it. It's really really nicely done spell. Right. That, there's a real way. sense that it's kind of just removing that whole thing from reality in the game mm-hmm. for a little while. Right. Right. And, and I love the cool. I love the material component: a basilisk eyelash, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and a dram of whitewash and some gum Arabic. That's just yeah, <laughs> it's great. That's yeah, good. So, yeah, like it's tempting to go through things like the spell compendium and just mm-hmm. hunt up, um, you know, weird spells to, to talk about. And right. Lord knows there are plenty. Um, <laughs> let's see. And, you know, I mean, that's if you're just sticking with the official sources, right? Because oh, for sure. You know, oh, I the, mean, the remember OGL. we're talking about, yeah, third, yeah, third edition. Really so you had that wide open. You know, yeah, just just an amazing amount of options there. Right, and uh, let's see if I can find something that's really, really classy here. Yeah. Um. So, uh, I'm going to say that uh, Shadow Well, uh, is a is a neat pitch for a spell. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you spit out the words of the spell and the shadow of your foe darkens, becoming a solid black pit. Your opponent pinwheels its arms that topples backwards in the darkness. So you turn your opponent's shadow into a portal to the plane of shadow. <laughs> nice. And you <laughs> kick them through it, basically. This is yes. Sparta. <laughs> <laughs> um, nice. So, so it's essentially a banishment spell, right? Mm-hmm. Right. It is very, very similar to <laughs> the fifth ed banishment, right? Just yep. just with additional flavor. Right. And that's pretty great, actually. Yeah. Um, and much as you see throughout uh, third, it is very, very saver suck. Right. So you only right. get that first saving throw, much like the 2014 banishment. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's it, it's really neat. Spells and abilities that move a creature within a plane, such as teleport and dimension door, do not help a creature escape a shadow well spell. Hmm. Nice. Yeah. You can plane shift out if you want to. That's, that's a, much and it. Oh, oh, it also hits you with frightened because but plane of shadow. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's pretty quick. Yeah. Pretty slick. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I like that. Very cool. And, and there's yeah. a bunch of spells, you know on that page, all starting with the word shadow mm-hmm. that are similarly tapped into the plane of shadow and are, are pretty cool. Right. Um, and this is all years before the Tome of Magic is going to come out with its uh, 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 Shadowcaster class, which mm-hmm. is not called Shadowcaster, but is something like that. Yeah. Um, 
so uh, this is from an Eberron game I played in. Uh, I was playing a, uh, a transmuter specialist okay. and um, polymorph unsurprisingly <laughs> right. was all that. Yeah. Um, so I'm at the bottom of the stairs in this, this mummy's tomb. Right. And the mummy is wreck, wrecking the party's barbarian up at the top of mm-hmm. this um, set of stairs. I think it was. And um, so I'm way down at the bottom and I need to figure out how to both like get myself and another of my allies up to the top of the stairs. And then I think also get us out and I'm, I'm running kind of low on spells, but I look down and I see polymorph <laughs> and I, I think in third ed, it was okay to poly- polymorph myself into a Griffin pick up my ally and carry them so that they were getting their movement on my turn. Right. (laughs) So that they could still do their whole thing on their turn. And so we had to like fly up the stairs and it was this sort of terrace thing where there were pools of water at certain terrace levels Mm -hmm. on the the stairs. And anyway, the the visual really stuck with me for that. Um, And then I I forget why exactly, but I, I then like, drop them off change shape and dimension door away mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. like that and just <laughs> nice that sense of i have a really specific set of tools in this spell list and uh i need to use them as effectively and creatively as possible mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. getting that much transportation out of it felt really really good and it was a, a real moment of just loving how it felt to play a wizard and feel rewarded for the spells I'd picked. Right. Yeah. No, that's awesome. That's an awesome moment. Okay. Uh, Instead of me just cruising through this for the rest of the evening. um, (laughs) You want to move on to a fourth edition? Yeah. Yeah. Let's do fourth. So I have three spells in fourth edition. Okay. And the thing is though, they're not, spells their rituals oh, okay because okay. of course right yeah, yeah, that's yeah. where you find your utility stuff right uh, so, a lot of it yeah right and that's where my that's that's where my sort of heart is in terms of thinking about the spells as i was going through this it's not that i don't like other spells okay oh, i do no, no, no. It's, it's that i'm looking for things that are useful to make you creative and do different things and f- to solve certain problems uh and not the problems where we had to burn down the whole tavern because there were some goblins right um <laughs> so here's my my first one is uh the um the uh shadow walk ritual uh-huh. which is from php1 yep and uh it's a high level thing, but basically um, you walk through shadows, you walk into the shadow fell and then you walk out of the shadow fell and you basically have increased your speed times five. Um, and, but you don't have to interact necessarily with the shadow fell, but of course, if you have a devious DM, you could interact with the shadow fell. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that sort of thing to me, like that's the kind of thing where what, what you were just talking about, where you can like banish that thing. Uh, and 
just sort of thinking about using different planes as a way to sort of siphon or move someone, move their energy to a different place so that you can travel on the natural world or in the mortal plane, right, is a very cool sort of visual thing for me. And so that's why I chose that one, because I think that's just it's just really cool. And it was it was actually most of these that I'm choosing here. It's because it came in came in really handy at one or two important moments of certain campaigns that I ran or played in. Right. And so this was a clutch spell a couple of times and, you know, so that's, that's why. So that one's that I really like that one a lot. Just the idea of, okay, here's this clutch thing I can do. Right. And, and otherwise we're kind of screwed. Right. In whatever situation that we're in. So it's really good that I had the ability to cast this. Yeah. Yeah. So, so for fourth edition, yeah. um, it is not easy to narrow down. So, mm-hmm. uh, longtime listeners will know that I wrote a incredibly excessive mega thread <laughs> uh, in Twitter of yeah. content from fourth edition that, at the time of writing, which was late 2018, uh, had not yet been ported into. Fifth edition from fourth, mm-hmm. right? Um, and a lot of the items are just, man, that is a cool spell name and spell mm-hmm. concept. Mm-hmm. I just like what that has going for it, right? And some of them have since been ported over, right? And some of them I have personally, you know, uh, translated to, to fifth right. in my blog, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but just for amazing names and warlocks take the cake every mm-hmm. day right the, like the player's handbook and arcane power are both just unbelievable in yeah. how good the spell names are yeah yeah, yeah. um forbidden of the ninth uh mm-hmm. is arcane power warlock attack 29th level um a wall of black flame rises from the floor at your behest it protects you while unleashing gouts of fire on foes so it's a wall of fire that also shoots people which is nice but just <laughs> forbidden of the ninth being about uh you know, invoking the court of nessus right to kill people for you with black flame is mm-hmm. awesome that's really yeah. nice yeah that's um, nice flavor yep and it's also a very good good like snare effect because it takes three squares of movement to move through the wall mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and they take a bunch of damage for trying it um and so I like all that kind of stuff. Um, there's spells like Your Glorious Sacrifice uh, because the the Dark Pact in Fourth is all about maybe doing some things to your allies that they have ideally consented to by agreeing to play the game with you, but they <laughs> might not like you for because right. like an ally has to take some damage mm-hmm. for you to get the the better effect of the spell mm-hmm, kind mm-hmm. of thing. <laughs> and and so I, I loved like, uh, your glorious sacrifice. There's another that is similarly just a distressing name. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and so here again, I could just cruise through these and uh, hit you with amazing spell names all night. Right. Um, like well, here, so- here's one that's just called Curse of Nessus. Well, that's right. perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, so my my second my second fourth edition my honorable mention for fourth yeah. edition is actually Tree Stride, 
which nice. again goes back to that idea of traveling, right? Like yeah, it's, for it's some good, reason, good right? So yeah, like a lot of times travel just gets hand waved, right? But in, sure. in my games, a lot of times I didn't just hand wave travel. So yeah. it was really important for the for the PCs to need, you know, to have a way to get from one place to another. So of course, you know, basically you open a magical portal in a tree, you step into the tree and then you can <laughs> appear on the other side, but the other side isn't the other side of the tree. It's, you know, miles away. Right. Yep. Um, and so they, they can, you know, go to that, but so, you know, it's that same idea of there's certain themes that really, you know, that, that utility of that is just so, you know, almost niche, but, so useful at the time right just so useful at the time right um i would say that for me it is especially difficult in fourth to make travel feel meaningful mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. it, it's difficult enough in third and fifth right fourth for me uh mm -hmm. really exacerbates that mm -hmm. um just as an addition yeah uh yeah if you found a way of addressing that that uh, works for you because I, I hear you're looking at starting up a new fourth edition game <laughs> a little bird told me and that little bird is the tome show discord uh, <laughs> yeah yeah uh, yeah so I mean I, I it was it was basically by mutual agreement right like uh -huh. just my my group knew that we weren't just going to hand wave travel that okay there there were you know certain aspects of a fantasy setting where i mean yeah you know if they're at 29th level and they're all flying you know i mean sure. i'm not they don't have to like describe you know whatever but you know especially at lower levels right in the heroic tier when you're actually trying to get from point a to point b well you're huffing it man you know you're like you're we're not just going to say okay well you arrive in town like no that's not there's something what happened in between there like there's you know, so yeah, I, I, but it was by mutual agreement. I agree that the mechanics are as thin as they are in, in any edition, right? Like if you, I mean, you can hand wave travel in any edition. Yeah. We can always calculate a, how fast can you move and how long is going to take you to get there. But, you know, uh, sometimes it helps to make that travel more meaningful and sometimes it is okay to hand wave it. Like that's not, sure. I, I'm not saying that I was like, you know, a really stickler for every time you're taking a step, I got to know, you know, how long it's taking you. Like not that, but just in terms of uh, if you're moving around a setting, right? Like yeah, it, it, it's important to know how you're moving around there because at some point, you know, you do get to the place where you're not moving around like regular normal NPCs in the setting. You're moving differently. And so that becomes important too, because it also highlights how you've changed, right? Yeah. And this kind of goes to that that thing that we always talk about, the ranger problem, right? Like once you're so good at something that it's not even worth putting in the game, it's lost something, right? Because yeah. now you're just saying, oh, well, we already do that, so we're done. Like, there's yep. no need to even focus on that at all. And yep. so travel is one of those things, right, where – I agree with that. At low levels, right, it, you can you can maybe highlight it a little bit more because it is a little bit more difficult to get around because you know that at higher levels, it's going to be no problem whatsoever. Um, one of my positive examples of this kind of thing mm -hmm. in 4th Ed um, – so in my, my long-running 4th Ed game, um, the PCs had to travel through this 
this border province uh, mm-hmm. called the Skattenmark. Uh, it was crammed with werewolves, just dripping mm-hmm. werewolves. It was nice. horrible. Yeah. Um, and then they finally got to the the uh, plateau where the the city they were headed for was the city of Eretarga, and so they get into Eretarga, which is this ruined city, mm-hmm. um, and the city is the battleground of these cabals, right? Um, the Black Feather Order and um, the Copper. I don't, remember, I don't remember the other one. They're, they're somewhat of a cabal, more of like rogues and assassins and such. Okay. And, and yeah. the, these two groups are fighting it out. Uh, and the PCs are there to kill the Black Feather Order. To like, they have a list of the names of every member of the order, and they're going to check them off. Um, and so, um, a lot of the challenge becomes about moving around the city without getting spotted, right? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so we do a lot with that, including times when, like, they get made, and suddenly there are a pair of cataclysm dragons just. <laughs> dropped on their faces whoops <laughs> yeah like it was kind of that level of well we're 14th level everything's on the table kind of right. situation um but it was for what i had available to me at the time uh as good as i could do of making you know street to street travel mm-hmm. matter right. and getting them to like, feel the place as much as possible right. i think i could do it even better now um, because I've had years to reflect on it. Right. Um, right. Not obsess. No one said obsess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why would you think that? Um, I don't, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, and, and so I think that there are still ways I can improve that, but uh, it got them using spells like arcane gate really creatively. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that was definitely a, a, a positive element of that arc of that campaign um anyway uh that's kind of it for for fourth edition well i'm I'm just cutting myself off it because i could keep going about cool fourth edition spells yeah literally for all night right well so uh, uh, let's talk about to talk about travel just real quick um you know travel doesn't always necessarily mean uh for a long distance either like in my castles and crusades game the other day last thursday uh the party stumbled upon this huge cavern and unfortunately when they looked in the cavern the walls and the ceiling were just completely covered with webs and they could see things moving in them nice and uh one of the party members walked out into the cavern and was immediately beset by five very big spiders and they had to and and basically dropped immediately right and the party had to pull her back and and fight off the spiders and then basically shut the door. Uh, but then they had, they had to go through that cavern. They had to figure out how to get through the cavern. So we're not even talking about miles and miles and miles. We're talking about like 300 feet, you know, and they had to be creative about how they could get through that area without, you know, getting killed because there were, it, it was very clear from the beginning you know, it's not like, oh, we're just going to go and find the biggest spider. That's the mama. We're going to kill it and everything else. No, no. You step into that room basically, and you're going to get, you're going to get attacked. Like there, there is, you, there are too many for you to fight off. So you have to figure out how to travel through that area 
without getting attacked. So what are you going to do? Like, so travel and just movement can be really interesting if you present it as a problem like that, right? Where, you know, it's similar to you talking about moving through a city where there's these different factions and you don't want to get caught. Like those things are in the moment really fun, you know, because you're trying to figure out, okay, how am I going to use the things that I have available to me in different ways Mm -hmm. than typical, because you're not just going to walk down the street. And in this case, they're not just going to walk into the cavern. Right. Right. So I love stories like that though. though That's it's brilliant when things like that's the point where that's the type of thing. Let me say it like this. That's the type of thing where that made me fall in love with D and D way back when in the, in the early days, the first times I was playing it, you know, and then running it was when you get to this moment where, okay, we thought we were fully prepared for everything that we were going to face. And now here's this challenge that feels relatively mundane, but we have to try to figure out how to approach this and make it work. Despite the fact that we're highly competent or have a lot of resources or whatever, like not, nothing typical is going to work. So what do we have to do? That's the heart of D and D for me. Mm-hmm. And that's also part of why I like things like rituals that let you change how you travel or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, but I do have one. I have a third honorable mention or a second, second oh, honorable yeah. mention. Yeah. I'm not tradition. trying to cut you off. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no. But just to uh, – because of the other thing that I like that you've probably noticed based on the spells that I've chosen is uh, guards and wards. Okay, yeah. So, yeah. So, um, guards and wards actually exists also in 5th edition, right? I mean, in, in, in previous editions. Yeah. Uh, and basically, the reason that I picked it is because, um, you know, I mean, we're talking about sieges, right? I mean, like, go back to my initial, my initial thing that I mentioned on this very episode was mass morph, where you can actually – you know, perpetrate a siege and mass mass combat movement without being detected, right? Um, and in this case, now you're the one in the castle or the fortification, and you are protecting it, right? So that it does not fall to a siege. And just that sort of thing where it's it's a little bit out of the box and you know you can you can cast this ritual and cast this spell and it and it makes your it takes care of certain aspects of that job but not all of the aspects and that's the sort of thing that i like so yeah because i'm used you know i'm very like in my mindset even in whatever edition i'm playing is very you know at low levels you're you're you know you're you're learning your powers and your sort of coming of age and then at, at mid levels you're sort of showing the region that you're powerful enough to protect the whatever and then at later levels you might even have a stronghold and so i'm still like that's still always the way that my brain goes even though that's not necessarily how every campaign goes right and so i often look for spells like this where you're talking about protecting that stronghold once you've built it yeah, I mean it's it's the it's a very traditional sounding spell, but um I mean again, it a lot of these are like, you know, these are clinch spells, right? Like when right. you need this thing, you need it. And well, if you didn't have it, like that's right. a problem. And, and it's other function especially in uh first through third mm-hmm. more than much more than fourth more and fifth. More than fourth, yeah. is to show you a problem that an NPC spellcaster is going to pose for you. Right. It's yeah. a story generator. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's yeah. infinitely pleasant to, right. to see. But like yeah. you, 
But what what really makes it so delightful to me is that it's player facing, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So the the PC, you know, magic user can go through the book and discover, oh, this is a thing that someone could do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well. Yeah. Nuts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. And so maybe only the the party's actual magic user has ever read that to mm-hmm. understand what they're seeing when they run into a dungeon right. that's protected by guards and wards. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. Exactly. How perfect is that? Yeah. yeah. Right. No, no, I, I hear you. And that's, and that's exactly the type of thing that I appreciate about it. Yeah. Yeah. And this is also why I was never one of those people that said you can't role play in fourth edition. Right. Sure. Because look, sure. but, but you can see how that would be harder to, implement oh, sure. directly absolutely forth, yeah 100 100 right? i'm not saying I, I the thing is like for me like i could say that about any edition though right because the implementation depends on what kind of game is happening at the table and what the gm is doing right uh yeah i, I think that there's a lot that the text does to bias you in one direction or another as all. Well. oh for sure yeah system matters definitely yeah I mean, I'm not, I'm not discounting any of that. And I'm not saying that it's completely, absolutely baseless claim. What I'm saying is there are still are tools that yeah. can help you in every edition, right? This is not just about fourth edition, but in every edition, there are tools that can help you if you choose to utilize them and make them available to your players. Yep. Right. So anyway, so we can move to fifth edition if you're ready. Uh, yeah. I am cruising through some fifth edition books real quick. Um <laughs> I mean, I didn't specifically look at these yeah. when I was um, prepping because I thought to myself, I know all these. I don't know all of them off the top of my head. Yeah. Well, um, my my first choice is the obvious one. Banishment. Okay. Oh, banishment. Yeah. But banishment banishment is just such a, it's just, and, and I think I said this to you, I don't know, whatever conversation we were having. Uh, oh, we were talking about 1D&D the other yeah. day. Yep. And I said to you, like, in every single 5th edition campaign I ran, Banishment at some point was a clutch spell. Like, it was the thing that saved everybody's arses. Nice. Right? Yeah. And so I I have a lot of respect for Banishment for because it's also not, it's not a given, right? Like, it's not just, oh, bing, okay, it's the win button. But yep. it is a very, if you time it right and you, and you have the right target, you know, you, you can really, really make a change in what's happening. And and that is really a nice part of the game for me. So Yeah, that's really yeah. cool. That's really cool. Um so th- there's been one spell that has led to led very directly to some of the most exciting uh combats and most exciting cases of a low level or disadvantaged PC turning a combat by getting rid of that spell on an NPC. Mm. And so I want to call out greater invisibility as something that has done way more heavy lifting in creating fun at my table (laughs) than I would have reasonably expected. Okay. (laughs) Nice. Like, okay, it's greater invisibility. Obviously the spell rules, Right. right? You don't become visible after attacking or casting a spell. So, right. Having this on an NPC is bad. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah, Right. So um, there's one time uh, when I've got a bunch of my high level for Orakash characters running around. They're seventh through probably ninth level Mm -hmm. at the time. 
and then one player has started new and we hadn't had a new player in a while at that point. So I realized he was coming into a big showdown with an NPC. So instead of starting him at first, I started him at fourth mm-hmm. because I was feeling very nice that day. <laughs> and I just want to explain that they get to the final fight with the crime boss who is an assassin, the assassin stat block. That's that's pretty turbo mm-hmm, in, mm-hmm. in fifth. They're, they're bad yeah. news. Um, and then he's also backed up by a, a very serious uh, draconic sorcerer Okay, and, and a couple of mooks. And so the draconic sorcerer drops greater invisibility on him, like go nuts. Mm-hmm. And so he takes down uh, the party's heaviest fighter, uh, he takes down the um, the master thief who's on the PC side. That it, like they have some NPC allies with them also because mm-hmm. it's just right. that kind of a showdown. Right. And these people are two of the people he hates most in the world. Mm-hmm. So if he has another whole round to do anything about it, he's just killing them. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so this fourth level cleric steps up and. Mm-hmm. He's the, the only one who can even reach the sorcerer. He casts Sacred Flame. He does three points of damage. But the sorcerer blows his concentration saving throw. Oh, <laughs> nice. And that is all there. Uh, that's all yeah. she wrote. Because mm-hmm. oh, right. now whoosh, it turned the whole fight. Falls. Yeah, 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 yeah. Turned the whole wow. fight. Yeah. And I love it when, you know, this first session character who is several levels below everyone else mm-hmm. is still the linchpin and the turning point in that fight right. because he had nothing else that was his responsibility in that fight so he could just think creatively with his set of tools right. and solve the problem yeah beautiful yeah that's awesome i mean there's also uh i think he's one of the only people who had the light spell at that time available mm-hmm. i think there was a reason the other uh, cleric was in the party couldn't cast light I think he was in a different part of the dungeon <laughs> and so he provided light so they could even have the fight and not be fighting right. the assassin in total in darkness the, in, in like, pitch black yeah oh my god <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I had the same thing again in Dragon Heist uh, except that it's a Manchun simulacrum who has mm. made himself greater invisible right and so He's been wrecking the party for rounds and rounds and other NPCs have come in and have been wrecking the party. And <laughs> so, so they're fifth level at this point and they're, so they're seriously outgunned, but they've managed to put a hurt on the simulacrum. And then he drops the half orc peace cleric who uses relentless endurance to stay mm-hmm. up at one hit point. Right. This peace cleric has a strength of eight and a dex of 12, <laughs> right? Right. He is not equal to the task of physical fight, mm-hmm. but he has nothing else that can target the mentioned simulacrum at all. So he draws his dagger and attacks. He, he has figured out which square Manchun is standing in. And he attacks the simulacrum at disadvantage. Mm-hmm. With a dagger he is terrible with. Right. <laughs> and hits and does like two points of damage. And the mention simulacrum 
blows his constitu- constitution save <laughs> to maintain concentration. Nice. And that fight is very abruptly over. Yeah. yeah. The fight <laughs> suddenly changed. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. I think the paladin is still up. He's like, nope, I'm squishing you like a grape. Bye-bye. Mm, yeah. <laughs> it was great. Yeah. Oh, there you are. <laughs> yeah. That's it. And Boosh. I just, I love that so much for creating this incredibly high danger situation mm-hmm. that still is vulnerable is enough winnable. for, yeah. for yeah, the yeah, underdog yeah. character, right. the most underdog in that situation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to shine and turn the fight. That is such a and d moment to me because the half-work peace cleric had never made a melee attack in that campaign up to that point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was his first attack role in the campaign. <laughs> I, I believe. Yeah. And he hits and it's just great. Yeah. Just, I loved it so much. Um, so greater invisibility has created some amazing fifth head gaming moments for me. Um, there's also just some outstanding spell concepts in um, Xanathar's especially. Oh boy. Cause Xanathar's is such a huge expansion of spells mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in, uh, in fifth. Um, so I could just cruise through the, the spell list here and have a great time picking stuff off. Um, yeah. I really like a bunch of the weird summons in Xanathar's. They're not the kind of um, uh, stat block with uh, versity bonus uh, scaling mm-hmm. that you mm-hmm. see more in Pasha's. Uh, those are also very good spells. And Summon Faye in particular has been delightful to me because the two characters in my game that have it uh, keep summoning the same specific named Faye. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. And so I've gotten to develop those NPCs. Right. 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 And they, they have consistent personalities and I'm even going to let the PC start giving them gear that they bring with them when they get summoned. Mm-hmm. That's outside <laughs> the scope of the spell, right, but sure. on the other hand, yeah. Uh, yeah. shut up. It's cool. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so once you've developed that relationship with those summoned creatures, then right. appropriate. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, there's, there's some amazing spells in here, like uh, mm-hmm. Infernal Calling. Uh, Thunderstep is just so much fun. I've gotten to use that in Colin's game um, to wonderful and very enjoyable effect mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. yeah um just a big fan of a bunch of things in here um, yeah so i there's also another element of spells like this that i want to talk about and yeah uh partly because one of the spells in this in this book xanathar's that you're talking about i used it as a sort of uh so I, I wrote I, I was part of this uh, this group that wrote this product called um, Scientific Secrets of Icewind Dale or scientific yeah, yeah something like that right and uh, and basically I just created a couple of creatures you know for, for something you know like as a, kind of a supplement for like Rhyme of the Frost Maiden kind of thing but one of the things that I created was basically this ice worm kind of creature. And I gave it a backstory, and the backstory was something like uh, uh, there were these old wizards, old Netherese wizards, and uh, they got trapped up by the spine of the world in, towards that near that glacier, mm-hmm. and 
they were followed. The reason they got trapped in there is because they were being hunted uh, by these purple worms. Sure. And uh, so they sort of, there was this group of six of them that got separated and this purple worm was after them and they all banded together when they, because they were trying to figure out how do we get out of this, right? And so they banded together and they were going to try to perform investiture of ice. They were all going to cast investiture of ice and they were going to try to kill it, right? So they were going to try to combine their power, right? Because we're talking about Netherese wizards. So they had, you know, lots of spell casting and high power and all this kind of stuff. Well, something went wrong Mm. and it ended up creating it. Instead of killing this worm, it created a different creature. Oh, and that's the creature I, I published in that product, right? Nice. Um, but the whole reason I could do that is because of what this spell is, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, it, it says until the spell ends, ice rhymes your body, and you gain the following benefits. You know, you get immunity to cold, you have resistance to fire damage, you can move across difficult terrain based on ice and snow without spending extra movement. You, uh, the ground and ten foot radius around you is icy and difficult terrain for others, right? Other than you, and you can use your action to create a fifteen foot cone of freezing wind extending from your outstretched hand in the direction you choose. Each creature in the cone has to make a concept, right? So it's a damaging spell. They take forty six cold damage, right? Um, and but it creates it's this whole thing about okay, they were up in the spine of the freaking world next to a glacier, and they were being threatened, and they were trying. It was like the last ditch effort. And they cast this and it fits that area and it fits that idea, but something went terribly wrong and it created this creature, right? I mean, how many times do you think, I mean, like if you, anybody goes to the first edition monster manual, how many of those creatures in there, it says, we don't, we're not sure what happened, but this is thought to be the result of some kind of wizard doing a bad experiment. Right. right? A wizard did it. Right. Right, A wizard did it. It's like the, it's the famous reason, right? Well, here I give you the story about exactly what happened and why. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Right. And, and so that's the, but the reason that I, the idea, that idea came from this spell. Nice. Well, I mean, that, that's like specifically a Netherese wizard mm-hmm. did it and something went wrong. Right. Is very deeply classically realms. Sure, sure, sure. To me. And that makes right. me happy like, yeah. specifically. <laughs> right. But but I could only do it like that because this spell, because it, I was writing oh, that's for great. this edition. And this spell perfectly fit those circumstances, right? Yeah. And so it it works like it just works. And so I, I, the whole point of this is part of the reason that we're doing this episode is you can use spells from the DM side, not just the player side, but Mm -hmm. from the DMs and, and your greater invisibility example also really highly illustrated that as a way to think of the game and change the game based on the GM's use of a spell, not Mm -hmm. just based on the player's use of a spell. Right. And so if you ever hear me talk about, how I like it when a spell is a narrative object mm-hmm. as opposed to the NPCs don't actually cast spells. They have mm-hmm. their own one-off effects right, right. that just do damage and maybe a condition. Mm-hmm. That's why I care. Right. That's a really big piece of why I care about that. And mm-hmm. I think it is important to presenting a world, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where, this spell is a thing and it works the same for, you know, your casters as their casters, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because like if an NPC is 
form of greater invisibility uh, were all that different, especially when they could cast on someone else. Mm-hmm. Like that's okay. Right. Uh, that's not actually super fun. That right. the, like that good for the goose is good for the gander sense is actually really important to keeping it fun because right. it means that it's something a PC can solve. Right. Right. Yeah, I I do not disagree with you. I do not disagree with you. Um, oh, and I also like that Xanathar's has, um, uh, you know, cleric and druid versions of some of those mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. specific wizard uh, right. utilities, like guards and wards. Mm-hmm. The druid version yeah, yeah. is called Wrath of Nature. <laughs> yep. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, there's something that is kind of. Um, your Mordenkind's Magnificent Mansion um, that is Temple of the Gods. Right. Right. I, I think that's great um, for just like Magnificent Mansion is, you know, a thing that is much more wizardly in style, but what is the dwelling place spell that is more clerical in style? Well, let's give them that. Mm-hmm. I think that's mm-hmm. wonderful. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. And also the invitation to player creativity that Morningkind's Magnificent Mansion represents is a, a very desirable thing, right? Right. Uh, it, it's exactly the same for all the same reasons uh, as, hey, so your fighter gets to build a castle and, mm-hmm. right? Yep. You yep. want to tell me about that castle? Do you want to tell me about your uh <laughs> magnificent mansion with its uh thousands of square feet in this economy (laughs) you know so i just i love that so much yep awesome well i think that might bring us to the end of of this episode Uh, yeah i mean we could definitely call out a ton more spells oh yeah for Uh, sure there'd be a whole fun conversation to have about the spell demiplane uh, (laughs) a spell that's not terribly easy to use well as anything other than extremely revved up rope trick. Right. Right. It's, mm-hmm, it's a mm-hmm. it's a rope trick that's persistent when you're outside of it and the duration lapses. Right. But that's sort of how much do I need that? Right. Um, kind of thing. But on the other <laughs> hand, if you can use it creatively, then neat. Right. Right. Um, and it, that spell concept is a big piece of uh, Naomi Novik's uh, Skullman's series that I've just finished reading. Mm. And so it's especially speaking to me because I enjoy that series so much. Yeah. And Demiplane is the closest uh, cognate to the, the core like plot relevant idea of uh, the golden enclaves, the third book. Yeah. Nice. So uh, I think that's going to about do it for me, Sam. You got anything else? No, I don't think so. I mean, you know, we could talk about that. I'm not even a person who plays magic users, right? Like, I, sure. you know, very often. But, you know, we, we could talk about spells for hours. You know, I mean, well, y- you and I, <laughs> you right. and I could talk about anything for hours. But I mean, specifically, can, can we, we, yeah, we, we could, we could, you know. But I think I think this is good. This this would be a nice uh, it's a nice sort of rounded, you know, 
discussion. It's a well-rounded discussion. Well, I think with that, we have scientifically ranked all of the spells and shown you which ones are the best by our incredibly accurate and reliable method of talking about it for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's just science, guys. You sure. can't argue with science ever. That's what I know. Um, so um, where can people find you on the internet, Sam? Uh, you can find me at rpgmusings.com or you can find me on uh, Mastodon at dmsamuel at dice.camp. You can also find me all over the Tome Show's Discord. How about you, sir? Well, I'm still on um, the most foul of all social media sites, the, the bird site, uh, at Brenda Stoddard. I'm also on Mastodon at uh Brandon Stoddard at dice.camp. Um, I write for tribality.com. My personal blog is brandastoddard.com. And uh, I would love it if you would consider backing my Patreon, which is Brandis Stoddard. It's a great way to support my work and see my blog writing early. Awesome. So uh, thank you everyone for joining us for the sixth uh, day of Christmas or Christmas season. And um, we will see you all tomorrow.